it was a lesson um, I learned in the pulp and paper industry working with a, a group of grizzled tradesmen. Uh, it was also a lesson I, I'd learned in marriage, actually. And the lesson was this. You must learn the difference between power and authority. For example, in ministry, a person may have a title and a bishop's license, but that does not mean they can get anything done. Uh, these things represent the structures of power, if you like, uh, but that doesn't mean that you have the authority to lead a community. Uh, there's a difference between power and authority. Uh, put it this way, a person by virtue of their job title can have power and accomplish nothing. Uh, another person may not have a job title, but by virtue of their moral authority can accomplish a great deal. Today is Christ the King Sunday, as I've said, uh, the Sunday before Advent, and we address a series of questions what makes for a good king? In what way was Jesus a king? And who is your king today? To whom do you owe allegiance? And in the light of that, how then will you live your life? So our gospel reading is from John chapter 18, which contains this intriguing dialogue between uh, Pilate and Jesus. Jesus has been questioned by Caiaphas, the high priest. He is then brought before Pilate. But because of the purity regulations of the Jews, they themselves don't want to enter his headquarters. And so Pilate goes out to find out what's going on and returns inside and summons Jesus. And so this one-on-one -on -one dialogue begins. Greatest, most powerful person uh, in that area of the Roman Empire talking with Jesus. It's very interesting. Pilate begins by asking, are you the king of the Jews? Now, it's quite difficult, actually, to know what Pilate actually meant by that. He could have used a tone of inquiry. Are you the king of the Jews? Uh, or a tone of incredulity. Are you the king of the Jews? You don't look like a king. Where are your followers? They all seem to have run away. You're from the wrong end of the country, aren't you? I'm a Roman, and I even I know that, what a Galilean looks like. You're a small man with a small band of followers who haven't even fought to protect you. And now you're here in front of me with all the power of Rome at my disposal. But when Jesus answers, the one with the power is confronted by one with authority. Jesus said, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? And as he often did, Jesus flips the tables and goes deeper than expected by answering a question with a question, often Jesus' way. Pilate is speaking and acting as if he is the neutral judge in the matter. But Jesus presses him. Have you not been influenced by the Jewish leadership? Where did your narrative come from? Are you really the impartial one? The Pax Romana narrative, the benevolent so-called Roman justice, is being scrutinized by Jesus. Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Now, we must remember that Roman governors, generally speaking, were career civil servants and wanted to make a name for themselves and gather enough wealth to retire to a country village just outside Rome. This was pretty much what happened in ancient times. 
Pilate is frustrated, though, that he's being drawn into the inter internal debates and disputes of the Jews. I am not a Jew, but you are a Jew, and you are being charged by the leaders of your own people. So Pilate tries to cut to the chase at that point. What have you done? But again, Jesus resists this line of questioning. He changes the rules of engagement. He says, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. So it ought to be clear, Jesus is a king, but his kingdom is not the kind of kingdom that Pilate is used to dealing with. Earlier translations actually read, my kingdom is not of this world. And some took this to mean that therefore Christianity had to do with purely internal, spiritual and private matters. It's not of this world. And that fitted the narrative that the really important things in life had to do with hard power, hard politics, the dominance of one person over another and one kingdom over another. Let religion have its sphere of influence in the world, we are told, but let it remain soft and private and ineffectual. Let it not change anything real. However, this is not the way the translation is intended to be read. The NRSV says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. It does not originate from this world. It is not derived from this world. You see, authentic Christianity has always been interested in real life, influencing people and communities and nations for the truth and for the good. So although Jesus' kingdom is not from this world, it is very much interested in being of the world. That is, making a tangible difference to what goes on in the world. So Pilate fastens onto this and asks, so, so you are a king. And Jesus says, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And that is why Jesus' kingdom is so different to the way people, both in ancient times and today, think about what Jesus' kingdom is and how it functions. Because it's about the truth and not lies. It's about goodness and not evil. It's about freedom and not coercion. Do you see all the differences between what Pilate thought a kingdom was and what Jesus' kingdom is actually all about. Pilate was interested in the exercise of political power through military means, through the point of a sword, if you will, about oppressing a conquered people and building an empire. And he didn't care about the people who got in his way. He was only interested in maintaining an iron grip on power. And because Pilate was part of the ruling elite, he set the dominant narrative. Nothing has changed. His voice was the one that was heard. His inscriptions were the ones that were written down on monuments around the empire. And his triumphs were celebrated through the streets of Rome. 
This was the Pax Romana. This is how things worked. But in Jesus, Pilate is confronted by a king of a completely different kind, a king whose followers didn't use swords, a king who didn't defend himself in the usual way, a king who undermines the dominant narrative and sets his own agenda, a king who speaks the truth and loves his enemy. But the glory of King Jesus, of course, is veiled. It is not obvious. You have to be discerning to see it. Jesus would be enthroned on a rough Roman cross, of course, symbol of suffering and shame. Could we even at that time have seen Jesus as a king under those circumstances? Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Is he really a king? Certainly not, not like any king we've ever seen. But the supreme irony is that the ones in power, the Romans, acknowledged that Jesus was indeed the king. It was Pilate himself who put the placard above Jesus saying, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And when Jesus died, the Roman centurion said, truly, this was the son of God. So ask yourself this morning on this Christ the King Sunday, to what extent do you serve Christ as your king? Do you pay homage to your king and seek to serve your king? Do you express your loyalty and love toward your king? And don't forget that Christ our king is not like the kings of this world that we see so frequently in the media today, the rulers and despots and authoritarian presidents, the ones who, who make the enemies disappear. That's been in the news just in the last 24 hours. The ones who exert their dominant narrative of oppression when they speak over-the-top bully boy language. The ones who strut with pride and then they strut their military hardware on the streets of their cities. But we speak of the gentle rule of Christ, where there is no coercion or oppression, where you're invited to come and embrace God's rule, where those who mourn are comforted, where those who long for righteousness are satisfied, where mercy is expressed, where there's purity of heart and where people work for peace. They're the beatitudes that you may have detected in my version of them just then. The Beatitudes, the new way of being in the kingdom of Jesus. On the day of his death, Jesus appeared before Pilate just hours before he was crucified. He was charged with being a rebel against Rome. But it's well known that Jesus wasn't actually a political enemy of Rome at all. It was a pretext for his trial and death. But here's the ultimate irony. Jesus was indeed a rebel, but in a way that Pilate could not see. Jesus was a rebel against the old human ways of might is right and the one who is stronger wins. So when, G when you follow Jesus the king, you must be a rebel as well. How does that feel this morning on a Sunday morning in church? You're rebels. How do you live as a rebel for Jesus? By developing tremendous moral authority. 
by the way we resist evil, the way we stand up for the right, speak the truth gently, resist paying back evil for evil, and loving others even when it costs us something. Will you join me in being a rebel with a cause, a rebel against the old human ways that we see so commonly displayed in our world today and pledge to live under Jesus' gentle rule? Amen.